and welcome to a new episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. Right below me is my partner in crime, John. And in the corner, that is not Kathy. Uh, maybe yeah. a better looking, but don't tell her that. Uh, that is Leo from uh, Parabellum War Games. Uh, hey for, guys. for our episode based on uh, their new game coming out, Con- Conquest. As you know, we are not doing any uh, pre-ramble today. Because we have an eight-hour time difference between ourselves and Leo, and to help this guy out, we decided to go a little early. Uh, John, what what episode are we on, by the way? I have no idea. Oh, man. I mean, I missed the last episode. You guys remember that? It's you're supposed like- to like tell us all this stuff. You, when oh, no. Kathy is not here, you're supposed to take up the slack. Oh, is that that's supposed to be me? I got to take yeah. up the slack. Oh, yes, you have to Lord. take up the slack whenever Kathy's not here. That's just part of the job. I'm going to guess that we're on 76. Gave me homework and then also I'm going to pick up the slack? Yeah. Uh, you are <laughs> killing me. You we are something. on episode 76. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, as you noticed, uh, we are doing... Uh, we have someone that says already saying hi to you, uh, Leo. Sirio Mishi. S-Y-R-O-M-I-E-S-H-I. The, I'm sorry, well, that's... Uh, well, can you repeat that? Uh, Sirio Mishi? S-Y-R-O-M-I-E? My, uh, Sirio Mishi, my, my last name. Well, that's the one saying Leo. <laughs> oh, no, it's uh, Leandros, my full name, my, my first name, and Mavrokefalos, my last name. So. Correct, but we have someone on Twitch that's already saying hi to you. There you go, someone saying hi. <laughs> oh, hi back, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. First of all, I know you told me that you guys usually do it in the afternoon U.S. time. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it so much that you guys are doing it earlier. I mean, I, I was I'm really stoked about about um, being on your guys' podcast, talking about everything that is conquest, right? And and you told me how it would be great to do it during your time because you, you we answer like live questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I asked you guys to do. Uh, Maybe we could do a uh, recorded like a preamble. Um, I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed because I really wanted to answer these live questions, but of course, because it would be three o'clock in the morning here, it would be very difficult to. <laughs> but I'm very happy we're doing it this way. So hi to everybody on Twitch. Uh, uh, hi to everybody, and please send all of your questions. We'll be happy to answer that. Well, we're gonna get. We'll get some. Uh, some of our viewers uh, probably won't be here because it's. Uh, early in the morning, but if we get any other ones on Facebook or anything, we'll definitely send them to you. Um, starting off, we got to go with what we're doing today. John, what's your drink of choice tonight? I should say uh, I have, this morning. This morning, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as a responsible adult, I'm only going with the uh, Maryland Moonshine Sweet Apple Pie. You know, <laughs> not starting with the hard stuff or anything. No, not, not the hard stuff. It's like, what? what proof is that? It's only 90 proof. <laughs> Uh, myself, given that it's Greek Easter here, uh, I'm going to say professionally, I'm going to say that right now it's just water. Uh, on a personal level, I'm going to say that before that it wasn't water. It wasn't water. So, so um, uh, this is uh, the only thing I'm going to say at this point. Um, I am working on a Boulevard Chocolate Ale. Um, I've had it before. I had one yesterday while I was playing Codan Exiles. And so... Um, we did have some celebrity, uh, pass away. Um, from what I understand, uh, the lady that played, uh, Mama on Ra- Everyone Loves Raymond passed away. Um, and somebody else, but I can't remember. Don't sue me. The Globetrotter? 
there was a, I think there was a globe chart as it passed away, but I can't remember. <laughs> You're killing me. I didn't hear either of these, but it's been a crazy week, so. It has been. Um, there has been a lot of stuff going on. Um, no, I don't know. Can't remember, because uh, there some people have passed away a long time ago, but I guess not. I, I, I tried to back you up. I was Googling celebrities that passed today. <laughs> I, I was trying to back you up there. Uh, I didn't find anything. Yeah, I don't see anything recent, but in any no. case. That's okay. Uh, to all those people, and for people that are listening and watching this early in the morning, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. We have a lot of questions and a lot of things to go over today, um, but we also need to thank our sponsors. Yep. We need to thank uh, Tectonic Crest Studios. Dan, we love you. He has given us some stuff to give away. I will probably uh, paint something up mm, probably next week or the week after. And give mm -hmm. it away on stream. Uh, also, um, Mechanica Studios mm -hmm. for helping host us and selling some of our products, guys. Um, and you should have a link come up there pretty soon that will show up about where you can buy some cool things from us. And also for Muse on Minis, where you will get a cool little code to get 10% off everything that you buy at their store using the More Than Dice discount code. Um, for everybody here, and thanks for joining us, Leo. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you a lot. And again, thank you so much for doing your show earlier. I understand it's an inconvenience. Ah. Uh, and... Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be here with you guys. Like we were saying before, uh, and that's something that I always like to say in podcasts, that uh, we're all part of the same community, and I came from the same community, right? The <laughs> fact that we're making a game and the fact that we're promoting a game does not change the fact that we're gamers. It doesn't change mm -hmm. the fact that we like the same things. And it doesn't change the fact that we love the miniatures we grew up with and uh, all these games that we played together, right? So it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, not only for myself, but I think for Parabellum as well, to be able to be represented in your guys in, in, in podcasts like this. So yeah. thank you again for having us. No, we appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we'd actually seems like your game is a labor of love because it is kind of a, a love letter to the old Warhammer fantasy. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, um, gameplay wise. And I think as we, as we talk about it and discuss about it, you'll see that when it comes to the rules, it is very different. Oh yeah. And, and I will, I will, and I will explain how, uh, but when it comes to the, uh, to the lore, the art, the um, the craftsmanship behind the miniatures, right? All these are really exactly like you said, like a, a labor of love towards the towards the the, the style of war gaming we all grew up with and grew to love, right? This uh, we all grew up. I mean, before there were machine guns and tanks and flyer and flying spaceships and so on. We were killing dragons, right? We were killing yeah. zombies like warriors of, of evil and, and dragons, right? And so we we really want to pay homage to that. Uh, when it comes to, I mean, as we go, we're going to talk about the rules uh, more, but when it comes to the actual gameplay, I think that it's a little bit about like old meets new. Mm -hmm. We departed a lot uh, from old tropes of the past. Like, for example, let me just 
skip very uh, briefly through. Like, for example, we, we don't play with phases anymore, right? Uh, so there are many games that, you know, uh, phases would revolve around any sort of uh, motion on the table, like moving through the three-dimensional space that is given to us. Then there would be one that would be uh, a phase, let's say, in which we would dedicate to ranged combat of whatever kind. And then there usually would be a, would be a phase in which we would dedicate it to melee combat and like this kind of hand-to-hand -hand, uh, uh, process. We don't do that. What we do is that before every turn begins, right? So every regiment in our game has a card. We call them command cards. So every regiment that is on the table or about to come in, right, has a, has a command card and we take these command cards and we arrange them in a in a deck that we call the command stack now the deck is a is a face down deck that you choose the order of right so and uh, essentially the card that is on top you draw and you activate first and then the second one and so on right it's that you choose the order in which you're going to be drawing the cards so when you begin the turn you make your deck and then your opponent does the same uh, you roll off. You see who goes first, and then let's say, uh, let's say Gonzo, you go first. You will draw your first card, mm -hmm. and you would activate that regiment. You would take two actions with that regiment. Actions could be whatever you want. You could be to march and then march again. That's actually the only thing you can do twice. You can charge and attack. Actually, attack clash, as we call it, is different than charging. Right? Charge does not entail the actual hitting of the opponent. Uh, you could move and charge, but at the cost of attacking, right? So you can engage someone that is further, but you cannot uh, damage them in melee combat, right? So you do whatever combination of actions you want, and then once you're done, you're done, and your opponent goes and draws their top card. Um, so, so what happens is that we predetermine the order of our activations, and then for every activation, we take the two action, and once we're done, our opponent goes. So that's a big, we depart there in a big way from the old-fashioned uh, fantasy war game. I, I wanted I wanted to step back just from the rules for a second and uh, the discussion, um, because Parabellum War Games, um, who are y'all? And, and not, not to say, because y'all are fairly new, because I actually originally met y'all and uh, at not the last year, not this year's Adepticon, the Adepticon before that um, is where I met uh, the team. Um, so, I mean, the, it, it's kind of interesting because y'all are, I mean, I don't know how new y'all are, but I mean, how new is Parabella War Games? So, uh, when it comes to ourselves personally, We've been in the industry and worked for major distributors in the, in South Europe and when it comes to distributors of Magic the Gathering and and uh, and in retail and in distribution for years now. So when it comes when it comes about when it comes to us, we've been in the industry for a while. Now when it comes to Parabellum, Parabellum is a company that started really surfacing and going to, to the expos for the last three years. So it makes sense that you you met us a couple of years before because we one of the major things that we're trying to do is that we wanted to come out and we wanted to prove to people that this is first of all that the conquest and Parabellum is not a project is a world. Conquest is a game we're building and is a game that is here to stay. Uh, 
right? And the only way to drive this point home is to make sure that we come to your communities, that we fly across the pond mm-hmm. to come to your, your shows and show you that every year you're going to find us there. Every year you're going to be able to find me or the lead writer or our my colleagues and ask us questions that really worry you about the game or things you want to know, right? So this is something that so this is something that although we we launch this June, June twentieth, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that you could that you can always find us. And in order to prove this this point home, we've been attending your guys shows for like two about two years now. Well, you just also finished up a large trek across the United States and That's started right. like California to Adepticon, pretty much. Because I, I didn't know about it, or I would have gone up to um, St. Louis or wherever it was and would have would have joined y'all. Because I was like, I just noticed that at the end of it, oh, y'all are, oh, dang it, I missed it. Or I would have driven up because I have a lot of friends in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, we were a little bit lower than St. Louis. We were we were in the greater area because we we visited Miniature Market and then we mm-hmm. uh, visited Esop's Treasury in Farmington. So mm-hmm. that we had a great response in St. Louis, and we really appreciated. Uh, it was it's very we were very happy to see how store owners were very eager to to have us and meet us in person. Uh, but one of the I think what's important is because yeah you're right we started from we started from San Francisco that we landed on we went we visited some of our distributors and then we visited as many retailers as we could so we drove from San Francisco actually from uh, from Santa Clara right all the way to Chicago and that's about two and a half thousand miles if I'm not mistaken uh, it took us quite a quite a few days uh, and the reason we're, we're doing these kind of trips is because we really really want to get to meet you guys in person uh i it doesn't matter whether whether you guys are content creators retail stores just your 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 everyday gamer your casual gamer i honestly i'd like to meet you (laughs) and um this is something i'm more than i i actually i was i wasn't at home for a month Right. We were one of the things we said is that we were living off our suitcases for a month. But we do this because we want to make sure we want to tell you like and we actually we we think that actions speak a lot louder than words. We want to tell you that we're not just saying we were part of the same community. I want to come to where your community meets. I want to be at the same store that you play and I want to play a game with you. Yep. And that's actually why we we we, were, we put ourselves in the process of doing this trip to begin with. Because uh, I know that because um, I recently have put in my, my pre-order uh, because my local store and my local owner is very excited. Uh, he likes regimental battle games a lot more than anything else. And when you release the rules online, him and I got on there and looked at the rules and discussed it and, you know, started talking about it and stuff. And he's super, super excited about it. Uh, and... He uh, he he's ready to do stuff with it as soon as he gets it, um, and choosing uh, factions and everything uh, that's going on. Um, this world is a different world than normal, uh, than the t- your typical fantasy type. You know, I, I put my quote around fantasy because you've got your you know medieval standard you know knights and uh, the hundred kingdoms, um, but you have this weird alien race. Uh, that's that's right. all, all crazy about it. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of story and a lot of fluff behind this, but 
can you give us a breakdown? Because you've got more than just these two factions coming out, and you've got more coming out soon, uh, which I'm trying to see if I can get you to come to um, a convention in November when you have a new release. I, I'm winking at the camera that I would like for you to come to Warfare Weekend mm-hmm. um, to, to show off those new releases and stuff. Uh, but you're going to have uh, more than just these two after a bit. Uh, but what is the... And, and, I, and I hate to, to narrow this down into, like, can you give us a sh- short version of what your world is and what it is like? Uh, definitely. Okay, so let me start with the uh, with the question about the, um, the convention. You, you're, ta- you're telling me I'll be more than happy to uh, please send me all the details and I'm I, I can sincerely promise you that I'll do the best I can to Sweet. visit you. I mean, we've we've traveled we travel to the U.S. three or four times a year uh, for for expos and conventions. So, uh, like, if I if I can come, be sure that I will. So send me all the details, and I'll make sure I'll, I'll try and do my best. I will give you everything. Uh, you need. So that that's when it comes to the to the about the convention. Now about the world. Uh, yes, you're, you're right. The, the world it goes very far, and there are a lot of stories to be released. Actually, uh, a little bit before I answer that, we have a, a tri- little trilogy of short stories called Nepenthe. Nepenthe is a series of stories that uh, covers the why the Hundred Kingdoms and the Spires. The Spires is the alien race you you mentioned. Why these are in conflict? and how their conflict intensifies, right? So this is the first. Uh, you can find it in the Watch News section in our website. Mm-hmm. And now, we, it actually, we started a second trilogy that's called The Ardent. It covers a little bit about the society and the story of the Dragom, our third faction. Dragom comes out, come out in August. So it has to do about our third faction and uh, about their society. And I believe you're really going to like it because... They depart from the logic of your traditional dwarves, right? Mm-hmm. The Dragom actually, fun fact, in the lore they killed the dwarves, and we're, we're going to talk all about it. It's an ex- interesting story. Okay, so about about the world, the world of conquest. It's called first of all, the the, the world is called Ea. Okay. Right, and uh, so you know a little bit about to understand these facts. So let's start with the Hundred Kingdoms, right? So the Hundred Kingdoms are your yes, your typical medieval. Uh, humans. Now, uh, long story short, and I'm not going to get very much into detail because we're going to be releasing a lot of new stuff coming uh, coming up closer to release. But what I want to tell you is this. So the Hundred Kingdoms used to be one united empire. Now, this united empire had a god named Haslia. Now, Haslia was their, let's say, patron god, but also a god that fed through humanity. For, and f- from humanity, I'm sorry, excuse me. Excuse my English, uh, my grammar. You're fine. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mistakes, Anyways, so, uh, so how's the uh, fed from the humans? And it comes, it came to a point that the humans realized that this relationship with their god Hazlia was not sustainable anymore. Right, uh, they it was a mix of arrogance, but also like they were pragmatic about it. They could do more without Haslia over their head. You know, they could they they could like expand, and they they thought you know they could rule the world. It's a, a mix of a little mix of objectivity and also an arrogance, if you want. And they had the plan to 
to rid themselves of Hazlia, to break this bond between them and their and their patron god, and so and so they succeeded. The problem is though that as Hazlia was f falling down from the heavens, and actually there is we have a we have an artwork uh, in the gallery in the, in our website that Hazlia comes down from his heavenly kingdoms. He decided that you know something. If I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna take you down with me, <laughs> and he literally grabs his heavenly kingdom and just brings it crashing down upon the upon the upon the this empire that the humans have built. Now, one of the lesser goddesses named Ninua. Ninua is more of a god of um, of life and fertility. Uh, she found it. She tried to save as many humans as possible. It were, it, it, I'm sorry, it were many, but you know she did what she could. She saved some people, but at the cost of her own life. The thing is, though, and the problem is, though, that a lot of the nobility. A lot of the lordship and a lot of the high, let's say, high ranks of nobility, right, were wiped out from this cataclysmic event of Haslia dying and along with him driving his heavenly kingdom down. And so we're at a state right now with a hundred kingdoms. We're at a, let's say, the, an I'm Napoleon kind of state, right, where everyone comes up and says, you know, my third cousin of a fourth uncle or whatever it was used to be an emperor so you know i'm the next in line and then you know the another lord would be like no i'm the next in line no i'm the emperor no i should be emperor right and then we go back into this very basic feudal sort of understanding right of relationships between the between the hundred between the, the human kingdoms mm -hmm. there are a lot more than a hundred but hundred right now are the notable ones gotcha. hence the name right gotcha so um we're at a state in which everybody's like, no, I'm Napoleon. No, I'm Napoleon. I'm the emperor. I should be the emperor. And, uh, <laughs> and like, everyone is trying to... It's either out of ignorance or out of trying to take advantage of the situations that everyone is right now trying to do the things that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise, right? As long as the highest ranks of nobility and the emperor would be alive, these long cousins, like, you know, these long lines of... Uh, long heritage, like sort of an ability, they would never see anything close to a throne, and now they see an opportunity. So they they are at the point in which they attempt to create powerful kingdoms that one day they will they will rule the rest. So they're at a point in which they're now they're trying to confederate and become an ally with each other. And now there would be, uh, you will see in the lore, for example, kings. Uh, for example, in one of the videos that we released, right? That uh, one of the videos uh, featuring the story of Nepenthe. The story of Nepenthe is actually the, the storyline behind our basic box. Now, the, it's the basic box you're going to be finding throughout the, uh, the first wave of release, June 20th. Mm -hmm. Right, it's a, it's about like we said about the spires in the Hundred Kingdoms. So the the Nepenthe stories talk about Frederick. Frederick is one of our main characters, whose father used to be a king of eleven kingdoms. So now we're starting, like they're starting forming these kind of confederations. Right now, a king would be a king of five or six of or eleven, let's say kingdoms. Right. So slowly they start to recreate what used to be an empire but of course they're far from it there's a lot of civil strike there's a lot of politics so the king the hundred kingdoms right now they're at a point of trying to 
bring themselves back together, become once again the powerful faction they were. And now, since they've rid themselves from Haslia, they're trying to become what they thought they would be. But at the same time, they have a lot of civil strife. They have a lot of um, uh, fighting on their on their interior, right? So this is what pulls them apart. On the other hand, we have the Spires, the second faction. The one of the so the Hundred Kingdoms and the Spires are the first two factions mm-hmm. that will be coming out June twentieth, right? And the the Spires is one of the main factions, and so. Now the spires, um, you saw a little bit. You saw their artwork, right? You see that they yep. seem a little alien. Now, what's very important about them is actually these are our take on elves. Okay. Uh, it's very important to remember that are. It's very important for us to depart from the usual tropes of like fantasy writing we love elves we like dwarves and but we at the same time we, we want to create our own world and in our world our factions are their own so the spires now uh they come from a different world like you said and in that sense they're alien they're not alien in the sci-fi sense they're alien to air gotcha. right they're yeah. not from air so they were they were pushed out of the world. We're not going to say from whom yet. Our lead writer is going to kill me. And actually, <laughs> we're, as the plot line continues on, you guys are going to you're going to read about it and in, in uh, with a lot more information that's going to be coming out um, soon. But what happens is that so they're pushed off from their world. They're in air. And they, uh, the way they work is that they create these huge spires, right? These these huge biological. Uh, I'll say building, but they're <laughs> not really buildings. They're a mixture of something that grows and built at the same time. There, uh, the spires are a lot about uh, biomancy, this the science of creating form. So this, they create these huge spires, and actually this is where they take their name from because the Hundred Kingdoms, they named them as such. So they named them the spires, and they're themselves they call the spirers. And so their prerogative is to harness and amass as many resources and biomass as they can, create an, an army, a force powerful enough to go back and retake their home, period. That's their home, right? And in that sense, they're not messing with the with the affairs or the business of the Hundred Kingdoms because they're evil. They do it simply because their only major goal is to take back their homelands, and they don't care who they have to hurt to, in order to do that. Gotcha. For them, the means, the the end justify the means, and it doesn't matter if their harness of biomass and resources is literally killing their lands around their spires. They don't care about humans. They don't care about dragon. They don't care about anyone else other than taking back their home. They, I mean, their the actual spires are immortal. And when you're immortal, and this is something we really want to capture, is that when you're immortal, you start losing grasp on what life really is. Gotcha. Right. When literally, when the greatest enemy of life is always time, because no matter what happens, at some point, you know, you're going to be taking, time is going to take its toll, and at some point, you're going to get old, something's going to happen, you're going to pass away. When you rid yourself from that, you lose, like, context when it comes to life. 
And this is very important for two reasons. One is because the spires themselves, there are only very few. They're not that many. They're not enough to make an army. But what they do is they bioengineer their own soldiers. So, for example, if you see our force-grown drones, one of the one of the very one of the mainstay troops of the spires, right? Mm-hmm. You'll notice that they have their shield, they have the spear, and you'll notice in their head they have this weird headdress. Actually, that's a little hook that they use because they grow them in vats and then they use conveyor belts to store them and hook them, <laughs> and they just lay dormant there. They have no immune system, no nothing. They're made to be cheap, and so they activate them. They go to war after. A week, a couple weeks, they either die from combat or from a flu. It really doesn't matter, right? And then after a battle, they they take everything back. They recycle everything and make new ones. They don't, spires don't see life in the same way others see it, right? They see, drones are living beings, uh, but, you know, they see them as creations. And they, 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 uh, they're very basic creations that only have instincts. They have pheromancers. So pheromancers and biomancers, we said, are the main, let's say, scientific case of the spires. Pheromancers are in in the uh, science of controlling behavior, whereas biomancers are in the science of controlling form. So biomancers, for example, would tell them to go fight, and the drones, you know, they could have like broken limbs. It doesn't matter. They are compelled. By the ferrom- they're ferromantically compelled to keep fighting against all of their basic instincts, right? And the spires just don't get it. They don't care, but they're very corporate in their logic. But at the same time, they're not evil. They just, they're just a species that lost track of what life is simply because they don't understand death in the same way. Um, now those two are the ones that are coming that that are coming out right at the beginning. You have two others that are coming out, which is the Nords. Right. And, and they're the Nords are kind of barbaric Norse types. I'll tell you. So the third faction that's coming out, the Nords coming out in November. So okay. we're going for a so we're going out for a Nordvember sort of vibe. Here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was too good of a pun to not use. You know, it was too good of, right. of a. I'm gonna let you in something. You're right. When it comes to marketing decisions, uh, there are puns and then there's actual strategy. Uh, pun is usually <laughs> Nordvember is usually a lot better. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's right. Nords coming out in November. So let. Let me tell you first about the third faction, the uh, Duagom, that come out in August. Mm-hmm. So now the Duagom is, uh, regards to everybody else, is an ancient faction, right? As you would expect from any dwarfish sort of uh, archetype. The difference is that the world of Egg used to be ruled by dragons. Uh-huh. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is that crucial to the world of AI is the concept of the four, is something, let's say, of the of four elements, but not elements in the in the sense of the ancient Greek sense, like not elements in the earth, wind, and so on. Or some of the elements in AI come very close to the four horsemen of apocalypse in, in a certain way. One of the horsemen, one of the elements is war. We're going to, uh, the others are, and the other one is conquest where the game is named from, and we're going to be revealing which the other ones as well. But a major one is war. Now, war was imprisoned in the core of Ea. Uh, now, here, the story is going to be, the stories are going to be coming out, but it's from dragons and also some other actors that are taking place in there. We're going to be revealing that soon. Now, war, one of the reasons that war was imprisoned was simply to 
maintain a sort of balance in the world of air. What happened is that when dragons had uh, ownership over air and had the most of the power, they created the Dwegom to be their slaves. Right, so the Dwegom were there and the dwarfs were there as well, as slaves as well. Now, the, the Dwegom though, they were not as satisfied by f from the fact that they were simply these craftsmen, like these artisan slaves, right? Yes, they got the opportunity to create aesthetic masterworks of masonry and all these things, but they wanted to be something greater. They wanted to be something more than what they were. They had ambition to become their own thing and become their own masters. So they decided that they had to do something to go against the dragons. And they, they extended this opportunity to the dwarves, their, their let's say, uh, cultural cousins. The dwarves uh, said denied. They didn't want to take the risk. They didn't want to go against the dragons. The dragons were, I mean, powerful after all. So the Drogomo they did is that they decided to, to dig as deep as they could and find the, the chamber of war, the chamber in which war himself was imprisoned. So they found war and they attempted to free war. They failed. But in the process of trying to free war, they consumed part of war. And in that moment, in that instant, part of the essence of war started being released into, first of all, through them, right, in which they found the strength and determination and, 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 and will to defeat the dragons and kill them, and actually not just kill them, but now out of spite and out of revenge, turn them into their slaves. So you'll see that lesser dragons, the drakes, are now actually part of the Dragom roster. One of the miniatures you guys are going to be seeing, and actually I th there are photos of, on the internet uh, we, we showed uh, during uh, Adepticon this year, was a, what we call a uh, Hellbringer Drake that is literally a drake with two huge flamethrowers on his back. Yeah, we yeah we saw that when we posted that one. I was like, damn it, now you're making me think about not playing Spires because if I could ride a dinosaur into yeah. battle with, you know... Flame cannon. <laughs> uh, believe me, you're gonna get some crazy stuff coming up. Um, you've got so, you. You said there's a uh, Nords coming out in November. Uh, we have one of our viewers are asking, uh, are we gonna expect a new faction every three months after the Nords, or are y'all taking a break? That's a good question. So um, we are one of the reasons. Uh, so let me let me actually give a little bit of an answer, a little uh, to cover some other things because I think uh, it will benefit uh, will, for the benefit of, of our audience as well. Is that for the the first four factions come very close to each other, right? Almost every three months, as uh, our um, member in the audience uh, noted. Uh, we're not going to have the same frequency after that. We're going to be looking at a lot of factions. That's true. But we want to make sure that within a year we, we populate to the best of our ability the four, the four first factions. Because it's good to bring a lot of factions quickly, but we want to make sure that the factions that are already out get updates and get a lot of releases, right? Yeah. Make sure we, we, uh, we put out a lot of stuff. So we're going to bring out uh, November in, sorry, Nords in November. 
I mix my my words. <laughs> and then after that, we're gonna make sure we keep populating the already existing factions. And what and once we are in a in a good point, in which every faction has about ten to eleven uh, entries released, we're gonna keep we're gonna go for the fifth and then the sixth faction. So it's more about cycles of releasing factions, populating them, and then releasing more factions and then populating them, rather than just releasing a lot of factions without a lot of content. Gotcha. Is there any spoiler about any other factions besides these that you want to go? Or are you still on hush hush before you're, uh, uh... you know, I'd like to give you a really nice one. Okay. Uh, it's not, it's not the fifth faction. It's one of the factions coming, right? Okay. Uh, so I told you, like, I, I told you how Hasley I came down from his heavenly kingdoms and was essentially shattered. His uh -huh. essence was, he was destroyed and shattered. Now when this, the essence of a God is shattered, scattered throughout the lands, something within the lands become its vessel. Now, I'm not talking about the, the trope. I'm not necessarily talking about dead coming alive. But what I'm saying is that imagine a faction in which every member of that faction is a vessel of Haslia. And then the more that die, the less members, the less vessels, the, the essence of Haslia has to be distributed throughout, so they become stronger. Oh, that's legit. So mm -hmm. there is a balance to be struck there, lore-wise and game-wise. That's a little head about how they're going to play. Yeah. They're going to be a lot, and they're going to be weak. But the more you kill, the less vessels are on the table the less vessels the soul the, the essence of haslia has to be distributed throughout so you always have to find a balance between killing enough to be safe but not killing too many to make them powerful gotcha <laughs> um let's let's go over to um let's let's talk about the, the miniatures and stuff because uh, we got about we, we got some time and we want to go over the rules uh your miniatures are they all going to be in plastic that's right all in plastic. Uh, they, uh, one of let me tell you this. So the 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 plastic kit that we're going to start the two player starter set is uh, launching June twentieth. It's mm -hmm. going to have seventy five plastic miniatures. Uh, two, it's a two faction starter set. It has uh, twenty four mana tarms, uh, twelve crossbowmen, three knights, and a noble lord mounted on a on a horse. Mm -hmm. And then on the other on the other side, it has an aspire abomination, uh, three brutes. And 24 force-grown drones and a ferromancer. Now everything there is plastic. Okay. Also, you're going to be finding uh, six uh, thematic objective markers that are going to be unique to that box. That's for the scenarios that have, you know, uh, markers and uh, objective play and so on. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's in the box there. Everything is in plastic. Now, what you should expect is that every regimen you get from us is plastic. Gotcha. The the characters. Some characters are going to be in resin. To be very honest with you, mainly because we rather you we rather spend time in you having your units in plastic than not release as many uh, units to put time on single figures being plastic. So we want to make sure that everything in your army is plastic, and then if if two or three miniatures the the characters are resin, we're okay with this. Yeah. And later on, they're going to be plastic as well. But the characters in the star set are plastic. Gotcha. Um, let's let's kind of we're gonna start hitting some some questions on the basic game and everything. Um, 
everything that we've seen coming out recently has always been a I go, you go, I go, you go. You know, everybody activates everything, and then all of a sudden, it's it, gone. Maybe. Yeah, and, and everything and everything works. And your game, for the most part, because I've read the rules and I've gone from the top part and the bottom, that most of the rules and everything's, for the most part, played on a 48 by 48. Uh, and not a, there's one scenario that's played on a 48 six by, by, yeah, a 6 by, five, by 4. That's right. Um, now, on a 4 by 4, which I think is great, because that right there means you can have a lot of people playing, you don't have to have a, a, a crap ton of terrain, but how much terrain should there be on the board on a 4x4? Four four? Right, yeah, that's, uh, that's... Okay, so now, there's a reason... First of all, there's a reason you found two different table sizes on the on the rules. Uh-huh. Uh, we play the game on a 4x4, four four, but the game will also play on a 4x6. Now, what you should expect, though, and that's very important, is that the scenarios in the rulebook are scenarios that will help players get acquainted and get uh, get used to the game. There's going to be a pack that's going to be ta- that's going to be explaining how we play tournament play. That's one of my other so questions. So there're going to be there're going to be some there're going to be some uh, gameplay differences when it comes to these scenarios. For example, you'll notice uh, in the competitive scenarios the lights will not be able to capture objectives. Okay. And that bring, that makes it very different when it comes to the actual list making, right? Mm-hmm. Or you'll see that uh, depending on what people like, we, we may also create uh, a tournament pack that also plays on a 4x6 for people that want to play larger battles. Now, the, the main importance for us is that, like we said, we're part of the same community. And we know that not all communities enjoy a game in the same way. There are other communities that simply like playing more points. There, there are other communities that simply like the different table size. So we want to make sure that we create two distinct types of play style that people can choose from. That's both 4x4 and 4x6. Now, for the 4x4, two to three terrain pieces is optimal. And in the rule book, you're also going to find a lot of archetypes, right? A lot of, uh, key, let's say, um, rules for terrain. You choose the ones that apply to your terrain. You can say, for example, that one is hindering and obscuring terrain. That's fine. But, for example, you may have created a little piece of terrain that is a marsh, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a hindering terrain, but that that's not obscuring. It doesn't obscure line of sight. Correct. Right. So you choose the rules that apply for your for the terrain you've already created. Mm-hmm. But for the four by four, I think that a good two to three terrain pieces is great. And personally, I would mix within these two or three. I would put one building and two different terrain uh, area terrain kind of st- style uh, terrain but, pieces. Roughly, how big of terrain pieces are we talking about? Because on a four by four, if you have roughly two pieces to three pieces of terrain, if they're large size, yeah, I think. Uh, um, let me let me think. Uh, let me think about it for a minute because I'm used to I'm used to the um, I'm used to centimeters. So oh, go give us the centimeters. It. I've got a, I've got we we we've we've got computers that can help us. Uh, all right. Okay. I was going to say anything it that like is a... about four to five uh, inches by four to five inches. Okay. Is 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 a good good piece. You could go a little larger as well, but I, I think if you want to put if you want to put about three tearing pieces, I think a five by five would be 
inches would be uh, would be good. Okay. Because you don't and want... also when it comes to terrain, it's very important to know that we're going to be working with MicroArt Studios, oh, and we're going to be doing licensed terrain, right? Cool. Terrain that is specific to our uh, to the to our factions. Nice, legit. Um. Let's get into kind of the meat and potatoes of this because this is where John excels because I'm I'm typically don't get me wrong I like to play anything but I usually play a lot of tournaments and so I always look at things from a tournament point of view and that's the reason why you said you're going to have a tournament packet in that tournament packet I'm sure you're going to have hey this is what this does this is all the rules and so on and so forth and you'll have different things but there are a lot of rules. I mean, the, the rules are free online, by the way, guys. So you go down, go download them. Uh, it's about a what, a hundred and five page uh, thing that gives you, you know, everything on how to play the game. Uh, and they're going to be updated very soon. We have a very beta version right now, but the, when we get close to release, you're going to get the the full version. Yeah, so, but I mean, this, every, everything for free though. Yeah. Um. There. What I like is regimental battle games are coming back. I, I, I guess you want to say that because they've been disappeared for a while and they've been everybody's been doing skirmish size. And I like regimental battle games too. And that's really one of the reasons why I like this. Plus, I'm a huge Spire fan because I just love the models. Um, and so one of the things that y'all are doing is when you do wounds, you're taking off models off the base or taking the complete base off once it's gone. And so regimental regiment sizes can shrink. Are regiment sizes able to grow? Are you able to put wounds back and make those sizes bigger and better? Uh, that's a, that's a very good question. And uh, one of the main things in conquest, uh, if you if since you've read the rules, you also see about the resolve rules mm -hmm. and how how morale means that every time you take a wound, you you can some other, you may take additional wounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's because in conquest. Uh, Killing a model, right, it does not really represent death of the model. It means injury, gotcha. disheartening, running away, yeah. being injured, dying, right? It means so many different things. So sometimes a character is able to heal a wound and actually restore a previously lost stance in the sense that they were they they took they got a second wind right they, they were they were re-encouraged to join the battle so a death does not always mean that they're dead right it wounds in the game is is an is a is a generic term to just like explain uh what's going to explain like it's easily explained in game terms, but in lore-wise and theme-wise, it means it's about um, um, all of these different things. And so, usually, when we heal something, stance can come back up to the original size of the regiment. Uh, so far, uh, we do not have a faction that has a synergy that allows you to bring more than your original starting size. Gotcha. But... There, I can imagine in some future. I can imagine some future factions that the lore would perhaps allow this. It will come down to balancing. Oh, a hundred percent. That's always the key thing that whenever we talk to people is like, guys, the reason why this is here is because of a balance issue, not because they just want to make this Uber. There's a reason behind everything that's going there, and a lot of people just gotta learn to deal with it. 
Excuse me, as I burp from this beer. It's really good beer, by the way. <laughs> that's that's fine. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's good beer, though. Oh, it's amazing. John, what you got? Um, well, first off, I was say I liked how a lot of the rules are very clear. The uh, the healing rules are actually really clear when you read that section um, on how guys come back. That's cool. Uh, the first and biggest question I had was, why did you guys choose the roll low rather than the roll high, which is sort of the uh, intuitive way to do it? Um. Uh, there is a little bit, first of all, uh, why not? We like the difference. <laughs> we like the difference. First of all, it's it's really, uh, you know something? I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. Some of the things that happen in game design are are made for a reason. And we worked with River Horse Studios for this, for this game, with Cavatore for this game. But there are some other things that we just like. I mean, we're we're doing our own thing, so mm-hmm. we're all low here, right? Oh. But in, in in all seriousness, um, we found a little bit of we, we found a little bit of uh, of cognitive cognitive dissonance when it comes to the reading of rules, right? There's if you if you have to roll high, it means that your stats will be low, and you want to roll over them. If you are low, it means your stats are high. And it's a lot easier to understand how good a regiment or how good a game entity is by seeing high numbers on its stat page than having to understand how good it is by what you have to roll. So we eliminate a cognitive step from understanding whether something is good or bad by simply putting it right on the on its actual reference seat, on its actual entry. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it is. It actually, once you get, once you, once it connects in your head, it's all, it's all good. It was just uh, one of the weird things. Um, I do like how your scenarios are not just kill the other army. I mean, you get some victory points in one of them for it, but that's not the main goal, the objective base. I do dig that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I had. I mean, it was a really good, solid, uh, you know, as we like to call it, ranks and flanks, uh, game i do like the alternate act- activations that mm-hmm. is something they haven't brought to that game yet um yeah, i mean honestly uh, <laughs> there's nowhere to go you got such a good solid rule set i don't have a ton of questions uh, on it. i have one and this comes uh, from a, a tournament standpoint again um uh-huh. since there is and i don't want to say very little but there is less terrain compared to some other games and shooting is always considered very, very powerful in the game because, hey, if I don't have to get to you and I can kill you before you get to me, that's something that, you know, tournament players will look at. Um, are, are In the back of your mind, are you concerned or are you looking at it and trying to make sure that range doesn't rule the game? Uh, actually, that's that's a very good question because this is something we've we've considered before. And let me tell you how we addressed it. Okay. Now, uh, so um, for example, if you see some of the let's say take the crosswoman, right? The the rules for the crosswoman say bars one. That means they fire one shot per miniature. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty eight twenty eight uh, twenty inches range. Okay. Now twenty inches is a pretty far for a 48 by 48 yeah. inch table right but the thing is that 20 inches is the maximum range it's not the effective range now the effective range is half that so effective range is 10 mm-hmm. now when you fire within effective range you fire your full amount of shots so let's say three stance of crossman would fire 12 shots okay 
If you fire at over 10 inches, you fire only half of your shot. So that's only six shots. Okay. Now, the, so one thing is, first of all, you don't take additional losses from ranged uh, shots, right? So more, uh, ranged combat does not produce any additional morale wounds. You don't take a result from it. Okay. And the other thing is that effective ranges are usually low in order to incentivize range units to go to the flanks and fire within combat because you can fire in combat. But the thing is that exactly because a major part of the game is the way reinforcements come in, you push up a line of scrimmage almost that the rest of your army, the more you push it up, the rest of your army can come in from the sides. So your reinforcements come in from the sides. Now you put your range units at risk of being charged, but of course they gain from being able to fire their full shots from the from their flanks. So we allow range combat to be strong, but in the in the ways that range combat can be strong, it also ha you also have to take a lot of risks. So if you really want to take this powerful shot from the flank and decimate a unit, you perhaps will be able to do it, but you'll need a good unit. And you will have to risk a counter charge next turn from a unit that just popped out from your flank. So there are a lot of things there, right? There are a lot of things that make the game, uh, that make that um, balance the game from its actual, like down to its very core, to its very engine of the game, right? There are a lot of things. The two action system helps us a lot with balancing things like, like overpowered overpower shooting yeah. or um, or um, like movement shenanigans. And we've seen that uh, with a few tweaks, like for example, like I said, you don't take resolve tests from, from ranged combat, right? That's, like we said before, simply for the sake of balancing, for playing a good game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. And, uh, we feel at this point that shooting is at a very good point. It complements the game. It doesn't win you games. It complements them. And it complements them in a way that it's needed for your strategy, but you cannot play a full shooting army and expect to win. And with Gonzo's ex expectation of tournament play, uh, I assume a lot of the shooting units are going to be light units, and thus they won't be able to hold objectives, which makes incentivizes you to play other units as well, not just all guns, as I like to call uh it. Uh, yeah, well, one of the one of the very true things is that a lot of the good, even the some of the expensive, some of the elite range units are light, and some of the the other units that there are range units that are medium and heavy, right? But the difference is that they're short range. Gotcha. So, or something. if you have a heavy regiment, heavy range regiment, right, that you paid you paid points for, and you just leaving it to the back to babysit an objective <laughs> okay yeah you can do that but you can you could have been a lot more cost effective about that and put mm -hmm. a, a medium regiment that is a lot cheaper just to babysit the same objective like you're losing a lot from the from the strength you could bring into the con into combat or one of the other things is that if you find a medium range unit, perhaps they, they will not have the same range or the same range capacity as a as a light unit. As a sorry, as a yeah, as a light unit. But the light unit again will not be able to capture the objectives. So there are all this internal balance, all these that that happens on the level of the rules rather than the faction itself. Um, I got one on here. Okay, go ahead. Cause I have another one after this. Yeah. Um, so you have two defense stats. Uh, I just remembered you have, uh, you know, the defense characteristic and the evasion characteristics. 
Uh, seemed weird to have two. I assume that's sort of a future proofing. You might have things that affect one more than the other or only attack the one rather than the other or both. That's right. Uh, so d defense is a broader term of explaining one's armor, uh, toughness, uh, ability, skill with armor. Evasion is, for the lack of a better term, is, is uh, a means of either extreme agility of actually evading the hit entirely mm -hmm. or supernatural um, resilience that, that comes beyond one's simple like like a weapon to armor sort of uh, class. It has to do with things with auras that are beyond normal. Right? So the, it has to do with things that it has to do with things that uh, disallow an attack to even connect with you to, to begin with oh. so in that sense for example uh, one of the rules cleave works with defense and reduces defense but it does not defense oh, evasion it does not reduce eva evasion so yeah there are things that there are things that hurt uh one but not the other and there will be things that hurt both all right uh two things raven talked about and i wanted to bring this up uh, uh the scenario uh, it says that um, regiments are going to be held in reserve. Um, when are we going to see rules about what, you know, because we have no unit rules specifically. We don't have, hey, the, you know, the abomination has these rules yet. Um, yeah. We don't have a lot of detailed rules information. Um, because I have a look at it, all regiments are held back as reinforcements, which I think is a great thing because it means, you know, pushing through and, you know, the flow of battle is different. Why did you decide to do this instead of just, hey, I've employed my entire army. I play with my entire army. I'll tell you why. Um, so uh, let's start a little bit about the the, the, the rule of role. So in, in, in Conquest, we've made a very clear decision that is to every game starts with an empty table. No deployment, no nothing. At the very beginning, the, the first and second turn, your light forces, your light regiment come in and their objective is to contest objectives they will not be able to capture but they will be able to contest and as they push up the field they will push up the uh, reinforcement line that then your medium units will be able to use on the third and fourth turn and then your heavies will be able to use on the fifth and sixth and so on right so everything the conquest is a game in which your army comes starts from its vanguard and scouts all the way to its heavy hitting um parts of the army so it's a it's a it's a design decision to not deploy anything one of the reasons being that by bringing your things by bringing your regiments throughout combat and throughout the battle you have a game that number one have a have an ever-changing battle line because exactly things come from the side and when you combine it with the, with the i go you go system you have a game that it's more about strategic foresight rather than who gets the flavor of the month kind of kind of vibe. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. It's the combination of these two elements of the game that create the that create, let's say, the the uh, the circumstances we want in order for the for strategic foresight to be the main skill tested when playing conquest rather than anything else and we felt that strategic foresight was not something that was always tested when we were playing a war game true 
um, the last one, and we haven't touched it yet, Magic. Magic is always, um, it's either eh, or it's like, okay, or it's like, holy crap, I just lost half of my regiment because of, you know, this spell that just totally wiped the crap out of me. Uh, how is, give us a little bit about Magic because that's, uh, I, I missed yeah, that. That's- Okay, so actually you're going to be very happy about what I have told you. Now, there are two things. So keep in mind, first of all, what we said about strategic foresight. Mm-hmm. And let's say a little bit about characters overall. Now, characters, like we first of all, like we said, we have no phases. So by an extent of that, well, there's not going to be a dedicated magic phase. If uh, Magic is uh, represented through abilities of the characters. Now, characters have their own cards within the command stack. They activate and they play with the regiment they're attached to and they do whatever the regiment does. But when a character's card is drawn and hence activated, they have access to their own completely different list of activation uh, of orders. One of these is magic. Magic is magic is are used as abilities. So you will cast the spell you want to cast whenever you draw your mage's card. Uh, and there, there are a few important things. One important thing is the scaling characteristic. Simply, scaling is that the larger the regimen you're casting something onto is, the harder it is. Simply because it is not the same thing. Uh, you can augment 10 people with ease, but when these are 40 or 50 people, it becomes a lot harder. Mm-hmm. You have to expend a lot more energy. So the larger the the target regimen is, whether that is friend or fall, the larger it is, the harder it becomes. And that's uh, that's also a matter of protection for your own units because when you want to target, when you want to cast a hex to an enemy unit, the larger it is, the harder it is for the for the caster to, to target them and, uh, and successfully cast a spell. But what's the most important thing, right, is that in magic, you have, once again, to think strategically. If you think... That I'm gonna that throughout my turn I'm gonna cast something very powerful. You should think beforehand and and activate your spellcaster before mine. In that case, you're gonna be casting an anti-magic spell before I cast mine. So there are no innate auras, right? We know we don't play the game and suddenly it's my turn to cast something. So then you start rolling die. It's like if you want to make sure I don't cast something, it will cost you initiative, and it will cost you initiative in the sense of where you're going to place your mates and what you're going to be playing and when, right? Okay. So if you want to make sure you prepare your magical defenses, you have to spend initiative and and cast something before I do. So it all ties into the strategic foresight concept that we're using in Conquest. And magic can be, once again, it augments the game. It gives it flavor. It it works. Your army is supposed to work like a system. Not one part should completely override everything else. You win the game by combined arms, not by spamming one thing in particular. You Having abilities and magical abilities helps you a lot. Shooting helps you a lot. Melee helps you a lot. It's your army is a system that you have to use in order to win. One thing will not bring you, will not give you the win. That comes in my last, my, my last question about this is because in a lot of games, characters, characters will rip apart things. You got so-and-so with his ass kicking sword of, you know, death magic. 
and can just rampage through the battlefield. I'm sure you're going to have characters because it does say that in, you know, your rule book that you're going to have named guys, you know, like, you know, Stompy Foot McBadass, and he's going to give your unit or your army something. How are characters going to be handled in this so they don't just walk around the battlefield kicking the crap out of everything? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by telling you one thing. First of all, a character, like we said, is attached to a regiment. If mm-hmm. the regiment dies, the character dies. Okay. A character cannot play on their own. And what's important is, in Conquest, a character is as strong as their faction allows them to be. A human character can be very skilled in fighting. They can be an expert duelist, but they're humans, and hence they cannot take on like a, a giant by simply by virtue of having a, a super magical sword. <laughs> right, and we we have characters be like like we said as strong as they're allowed to be by their own nature. Like they it has to make sense in their lore how strong they are. So in the Hundred Kingdoms, you're gonna find some e- excellent duelists, right? And you're gonna find some, but but you but you're gonna see that the Hundred Kingdoms as a, as a faction excels more in things like using the right tools at the at the right time and having good commanders to allow you to bring the right thing at the right place rather than having this one character that is able to just simply cut through swathes of of enemy infantry and destroy armies on their own once again it's all about creating a system and not about creating one super strong part of your army Okay, that goes into my, my next my, my next question because um, the assassin, the spire assassin, he is a single model, so he he's pretty much like an attachment into a unit. That's right. You'll see that uh, every character has a has a, um, unlocks other regiments, unlocks a, a warband. What that we say. Mm-hmm. So every character has to has to come into the table by unlocking one of their mainstay uh, regiments. And they have to come into attached into one of their mainstay regiments. So uh, a, mim- a mimetic assassin, for example. Actually, this is the miniature I'd like to send you. Uh, the mimetic assassin uh, yes. comes in, joined into the force grown drones or medium clones or the the, uh, the the units that they unlock. So they come, of course, throughout the game, they can seek new escort. It's the name of the role, and they can uh, jump to a different to a different regiment. But they will never play on their own unless later on, perhaps that might be a spoiler, unless they <laughs> are classified as monsters. That perhaps could be way too huge for them to be attached to something <laughs> but once again they are as strong as their faction allows them to be and they're and that's lore wise and play wise they're costed and balanced appropriately um question from the audience um when can we expect access to the online army builder which i think is amazing uh anybody that gives me an armor builder with a game or whatever makes it where i want to play more because i'm able to access and will it be free? And will all cards be free on that too? Uh, the Iron Builder. So let me tell you a few things. Iron Builder is going to be for free. Yes. Uh, everything associated with the usage of Army Builder is going to be for free. Whoop. Right. Uh, please know that we make we make games. We don't make books. 
we make the miniatures and we make the games and honestly as leo i rather you have i rather you get more miniatures and have fun with them and paint them as you like and and play with them and make new armies rather than have you pay army builders and books and pdfs and whatever right so anything that is not a miniature you don't pay for sweet awesome right we we really want to make this very clear uh the arm so the iron builder is going to be for free you're going to have access to it uh and that's and that's uh the way it's going to be now the iron builder is going to come out in a web application form so you're going to be able to use it through your browser later on we're also going to be working on native apps so you're going to be able later on we're going to be having uh army builders in um in Android and iOS, right? But that's for that's uh, like further it. down the road. There's no mm-hmm. release date for that yet. Now, for the web app, uh, we are we're very close to it being finished, and we are we have not made an initial. We haven't made a, a a release yet about its launch date. But what I can tell you is that it's very close to being finished. So we would want to be like. By the time that we're going to come out, we would like it to be out. Gotcha. But it's going to be for free. So Good. Awesome. Um, and this one's just for me because um, on stuff coming out, are y'all going to do no- novels, stories? Uh, because I know that everybody, there's some people that really thrive on the fluff and some people that just like, oh, I don't care. Just give me the stats and the models. Uh, I'm really liking the fluff of this and the world history. Are y'all going to start doing novels on top of this? Uh, I'll do you an even better one and tell you that we already have. Okay. So, what, for example, like in the What's New section, what I told you, the, the Nepenthe series mm-hmm. is uh, is are three short, like short about 30 pages to 30 to 50 pages long stories mm-hmm. uh, about the Hundred Kingdoms and the Spires. And now we're working on the on the art. And, and later on, we're going to be doing full-on novels. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to satisfy your curiosity on, uh, on the lore, you already have four, four, that's a, that's a four. I was doing it five. That's, you already have four, uh, four short stories to go through. Actually, short, but not too short. Like the art is like sixty pages, and we have a fifth one coming out. Okay. Um, and, and you know, I thought this was interesting, and I wanted to bring it. I know we go in a little bit in the media section, but I would rather talk about this the media section, no matter what. Um, for all of our listeners, um, I, I thought this was interesting because everybody's doing it. Is you're not crowdfunding this. You're not doing a Kickstarter. You're doing, hey, here's our game. Why did y'all decide not to go to a Kickstarter crowdfunding and just do it straight around? Because that's a big financial risk. That's right. Um, honestly, there are two ways to think to think about this. But I'm going to tell you the uh, I'm going to tell you how it actually is. Simply because we can't. Okay. Uh, simply because we have the ability the skill, the technical know-how, and the understanding of the of the industry to not have to put ourselves or anybody else's money at risk by crowdfunding it and by having people wait whenever their pledge will be delivered and have a game ready for you. We wanted you to be able to go to your local store and buy the game. We don't want any hustles about the game. We want you to be able, if you like Conquest, you don't have to pledge anything. We want to prove to you that this is not a project. This is a game, and it's here to stay. Crowdfunds are great. They're a good way of 
doing business in a it's a good way of amassing capital but we're not making a project we're making a game we're creating a world and we're here to stay awesome because um, we, we, that, that's been a lot of uh, a debate recently and on a lot of different games that you know smaller companies are you know having to do this even some larger companies uh, crowdfund most of their stuff and I thought that was interesting that y'all are not doing that um, guys in the audience, if you have any questions, get them out real quick, because we're about to go to media section, uh, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure we get everything that you want. If you're listening to this and you want to comment later, uh, please go ahead and uh, find us on Facebook and send us something on Facebook saying, hey guys, I had a question, could you find out what's going on with this? Um, and we will get in contact with Leo and say, hey, um, Leo, they want to know why can't they just kill the models in one swing of a sword and you know we'll do it. are y'all planning on um because this comes into the fact because you know there's going to be a ton of questions are y'all going to be doing a forum or you know a place where people can post and ask questions on your facebook or on your you know your personal page are y'all planning on doing that uh for, first of all let me let me say something that uh when you guys send things to our facebook page it's very important to say that i'm one of the people that read it <laughs> right. So when you said when you send things and you address them to me, I honestly read them on my phone like it come, they come to me. So and one of the reasons I want to say this is because I, I would like you to know that there is a I would like you to know actually the face behind the Facebook. Right. Yeah. There there are people that I signed there. There will tell me, you know, you get X amount of messages and will bring them to me, but they will come to me and I will read your questions and I will make sure I answer them. So if you have questions about the game, that's what the community manager, that's what, what I do for the company. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to answer your questions. So please make sure you, you send everything and you ask me whatever you want to ask me. Uh, but later on, yes, there's going to be a forum. There's going to be that, uh, there's going to be places for you guys to ask all your questions and use as a database from each other, right? To, mm -hmm. to be able to reference and, and ask and have a ready place to get answers for your questions. But until then, you know, Facebook and our social media are great. is a great place to do that. They come to me, I read it and I, you can get a personal answer from me Sweet. and be sure about your question. Awesome. Uh, there's no other questions. We're going to jump into the media section. We only got about 15 minutes left. Um, and we're going to have a spoiler-free discussion on Avengers Endgame. So don't go anywhere. Uh, no we're not spoilers. Gonna leave no spoilers. Uh, but we're going to just leave it on this screen. Uh, Leo, since you are the guest, do you have anything that you did media-wise that you would like to talk about? Book you read, movie, music, anything that just was awesome that you think these people need to look at or avoid? Uh, Pirabellum related or overall? Overall. Overall, I mean, like I was talking with some friends about, I'm really behind on certain things. Like I, <laughs> I didn't watch, like I haven't watched the second episode of Game of Thrones, although I was really stoked about the first one. And then like, I'm really, be I'm like the worst person to talk about this, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so behind <laughs> on all these different things. Like when we, we were talking be before, like you were saying about all the things to watch, like you guys, I'm like, oh good like let me ask you guys if there's anything i should watch because i'm like oh, i'm so behind uh these so unfortunately but i'm gonna be watching uh end game actually if not today the day after tomorrow so hopefully i'm gonna get my my marvel fix um i'm gonna get that by then 
Uh, I did have one late last question. I want to do this. Dark and Light 74 says, will y'all have a volunteer program or like a, you know, someone that's going to pimp the game or are y'all just doing this straight on yourselves? Uh, in a way, we've already uh, had volunteers to help us out. We had volunteers in the United States and we also had uh, Battle Bunker Schlesheim in uh, in Germany that they helped us in, in uh, throughout Essen Spiele. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, we we've posted about uh looking for volunteers and of course rewarding them and uh, as we did mm-hmm. as we did reward the volunteers in the united states uh to work with us and perhaps you know these these are going to be the volunteers that are coming to help us right now if they'd like to continue and they they get to meet us in person they're going to be the same volunteers that are going to be if they would like to spearheading the the programs uh later on so when we post about volunteering programs you guys uh whoever is interested into into that should get in touch with us and you know if you get in touch right now at the beginning you know you're going to be one of the very first people to be considered for to be uh spearheading any sort of program so now it's a good chance you put you put your faith in us by volunteer we want to make sure we give you back whatever we can nice uh dark and light 74 he says his name is ian and just wanted to know that and uh uh to ask that question uh john do you have anything that's not in-game related uh Gonzo, I watched four superhero movies in the past two weeks and change. Uh, two zero stars and two, uh, or two zero sh- uh, space herpes and two uh, twos. Uh, I think we can pretty much just talk about Endgame, though. The rest we can cover later. Okay, because I, I only had a few things, um, but we're going to go with uh, Endgame. Uh, this is a non, no spoilers. We're not going to ruin it for anybody. Not going to spoil a damn thing. But we are going to have a spoiler uh, episode uh, where John, Kathy, and I will be doing it separate, and of course we'll blast it out. You know, don't listen. This is the spoilers, unless you yeah. want to get spoiled. Nah, uh, this, so, this is not, not spoilers. Uh, so uh, I, I'm going to go with my first bot, first part of this, and of my in-game review, and I'm going to say, holy fuck, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say that a movie was perfect, but I mean. Anything you can have a problem with this movie, you're just quibbling on. It is as close to perfect as we ever were going to get in a movie. I, I agree, 100%. Um, it did not feel like three plus hours to me. No. Nope. Um, I was like, whoa, we're almost, wow, it's, it's, it's almost been three hours. This is balls good. This is what I want to see. Um, it very much reminded me of, uh, at the end of it, I was sitting there, I was thinking, I was like, this reminds me of Return of the King. That feel I got, okay. you know, from Return of the King of all the, you know, badass fighting and everything going on. I was like, yeah! I actually, at one point, said, fuck yeah. <laughs> Out loud in front of a bunch of people. Uh, and I was like, uh, oops, I said that a little loud. Oh, right here. I'm, I'm hyped now. I'm not going to see it for today, but, like, you made me so hyped about it. It's like, and you know, you know, I really liked the first movie uh-huh. uh, a lot in the sense that, you know, it was very interesting to see, like, Thanos, like, actually succeeding whatever he was that he wanted to do, right? Correct. And so, the, and he did it in such a brutal way. He's like, I was going to get all the Infinity Stones. I'm going to stop my fingers. I'm going to do what I came here to do. And he did it. And that was such... Such a cliffhanger right there because you're like, what just happened? We're not used to the bat in quote unquote. Um, he's not like in whatever, you know, the antagonist 
succeeding so clearly and so cut and dry in what he wanted to do. And so you're like, this cannot end here. I want to make sure, I want to know whatever it is that's going to come, mm-hmm. right? So that's, uh, the, I'm, I'm pretty happy about what's coming up. Yeah. It, it was legit good. There was so many times I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> um, this one rides it. ending to the series. It's a good ending to the, uh, to their first super overarching plot there. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be happy to do some smaller things. Mm-hmm. Um, because honestly, this was such a big undertaking that it's a shock it didn't fail. I mean, it, they, yes. they really went all out and they delivered. Um, the movie does have a lot of buildup. People say there are some quote-unquote slow moments, but if you're invested in these characters, they don't feel slow at all. No, I, I can agree. If you're going, if you're, like I said, if you're going to the, watch it in the theater... Um, take your pee break at about an hour 20 in. Take your pee break beforehand. Yes. Don't bring a drink in. Just adult <laughs> the hell up. Make it through the movie. Some people can't. Um, but if you have to and you feel like you need to, make sure you do it, you know, an hour, you know, 20, hour and a half. That way, because once that hits, that time hits, it's all a full blast ride all the way through. Yeah. It's a... Uh... And it's really kind of weirdly structured. It has a relatively short first act, and then the second and third acts are much longer. And I had to pee about most way through the second act through the third act. It was uh, it was not pleasant, but don't do that. Uh, and then uh, do not stay to the end end of the credits. When they start just rolling the credits normally, you can leave. There's uh, no end end credit scenes. There is, sort of. There uh, is a sound, but. Yeah. It's not. There is no stinger like usual. There is a no. sound, and you don't have to sit to watch it. Uh, no. Just Google it. I, mean, um, I had to sit to watch it just because my bladder was like, no, you're not moving for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will also say that um, this was a good emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. uh, from start to finish. Yep, and uh, I do uh, really like the fact that... Uh, Pretty much anyone they felt like they really needed to get back, they got back. Mm-hmm. It's was, that a spo- was that a spoiler-free statement? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's actor-wise. Anyone they uh, needed to get back, they can get back. I mean, it was great. That I mean, there's only one actor who it looks like they've refused, and that was uh, in Infinity War. Uh, they didn't get Hugo Weaving back to play uh, uh, the Red Skulls guarding the, the Soul Stone from Gamora and uh, Thanos. That seems to be the only one, and that's fine. You know, they didn't really need him. It's CGI. Why is he going to have to go through all the makeup just to do, you know, a couple minutes of things? So that seems like the only actor in any of the movies they have been able to get back, um, really. So um, continue that through this. CGI, graphics, um, yeah. everything cinematography was spot on. <laughs> uh, if, if we're being vague, it's because you really, really cannot go into any details of this movie without spoiling just the way correct. it's set up. That's just more kind of. I mean, I didn't see any glaring like, oh, you can tell that that's CGI, or you know, you could tell this and you can tell that. Uh, no, nothing took me out of the movie, and in fact, that was the biggest thing. Uh, I am very critical of Infinity War. I mean, as critical as you can be for a movie that I already still gave only, you know, one and a half space herpes to. I'm really critical of it. I I can't. This movie, I can't. I got nothing. I, I had more problems like, with the people behind me. And the baby that got kicked out, the, or that, that, that was there, than anything else. I had a lady behind me going, oh, I'm not going to get swayed by the, the, the music. And I went, shut up. And she shut up for a bit. And I was like, 
just enjoy the movie. Feel the ride. Go with it. Let it happen. Uh, yeah, Banyan had someone behind him who was who was being a little disruptive. Now, I did have a few, um, I think they were probably like eight or nine, ten-year-old kids next to me. And you could tell one kid didn't know much about the uh, MCU, uh, but the other kid did. And he was like, oh, that's so-and-so, and this is why she's there, or he's there. And I'm like, okay, I can get past, because they were actually being pretty quiet. But I was sitting next to him, and I can kind of understand that, because, yeah. that, that, that's, I mean, one, it's a kid, two, he's trying to help his buddy out, but this wasn't the lady that behind me that anytime something happened, she was like, Oh, I'm not phased emotionally by that because I'm a hardened person. And I'm like, <laughs> shut <laughs> your <laughs> damn you mouth. Away. Yeah. There was a guy on Twitter who posted something and they got to me because people were comment, people I know were commenting on it where he said like grown men crying in Avengers. Y'all know it ain't real. Right. And I'm like, isn't, isn't the purpose of art to elicit an emotional response? If so, they succeeded. Yes. In every way. Yeah. There, there, there is a good emotional roller coaster. It does, you know. I, I, I sat at the end of it and I go, you know, if they don't make another Marvel movie, I'm perfectly yeah. okay with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm perfectly okay that if they never, de- if they decided to just not make it anymore, I wouldn't like it, but I would be okay if they didn't make another one because it was that good of a movie. Yeah, it, it, I feel sorry for anyone else who wants to make like a shared universe, not because it isn't possible. Because Marvel showed you as possible and pretty much showed you the pinnacle. You're not going to reach the pinnacle. You're going to have to aim for something lower because I, I don't know how you're going to exceed this. Yeah. It's it's going to be hard. Uh, I did want to say that there the was Lord a... Lord of the Rings trilogy is really glad it came first. Yes. Otherwise, we'd be like, ooh, live up to that? Yikes. Um, I did see a funny meme um, uh, and a dig on DC. Uh, someone oh. posted a picture of all the DC characters and says, you know what heroes could really take on Thanos? And it shows all the DC characters and someone posted, well, you have to get through Rotten Tomatoes first. And I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) Oh, but no, it's super good. Uh, I mean, as you can tell, by the way, we're gushing over it. It's zero space herpes. Zero. Uh, It is an early lead for uh, best movie I will see in the theater all year. Uh, Though, Saving Private Ryan is... uh, Coming out in the theater for the uh, anniversary of uh, D-Day. So it's going to be a good uh, neck-and-neck fight there. Uh, I don't know. that It was it was really good. Guys, Kat, like I said, Kathy, John, and I are going to do a spoiler uh, post about it. And we will let you know. And we'll definitely, you know, don't watch this if you haven't, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, because you really can't say a lot about it without messing up and we don't want to there's no, we don't mess up for anyone no we're not we, you know us uh it has to come out on dvd before we'll do spoilers or at least a decent amount of time it's sometimes not even then yeah um but i mean zero space herpes for me i had a blast i laughed i cried i cheered like i said i said fuck yeah in the middle of the theater in front of a bunch of people i was that <laughs> excited um and i can't wait uh to see it again uh i can wait because it's only tomorrow <laughs> Not Brushhead Dave didn't see it, so I'm like, hey, you'll know how good or potentially absolutely train wrecky it is, but if I want to see it again with you. Yeah. And as soon as I got out of there, I'm like, so when are we seeing it on Monday? <laughs> um, Leo, before we get out of here, uh, where are y'all headed next? What do you got planned for your next uh, trips or anything? What do you got lined up for your next uh, things coming around? So we have uh, we have an expo. We have the UK Expo. That's the beginning of June, June mm-hmm. 1st. 
and then August we have Gen Con, so we're going to be mm -hmm. there. So yeah, we'll be more than happy to see you guys and see the members of our audience there, and they can come up to us and ask us whatever they whatever they like. And so, and after that, it's again Germany. You know, we have the the usual cycle. We have Essen, and then we have Nuremberg, and then we have a. There's a pretty pretty like a lo very loaded schedule but uh the next the next expo we have we're going to be seeing our uh we're going to be seeing the people in the uk through uk expo and then as i said again gencon in august actually it's going to be our first year in gencon so we hopefully we're going to be seeing you guys there i'm uh, going to try to make it there as quick as possible because i want to go to gencon because i had a lot of people i'm going to talk to um guys like i said we, we didn't do a pre-ramble because uh, Leo is over the pond in an eight-hour difference, and we want to make this man have some free time. Um, we will be posting this up on Facebook uh, and uh, Muse on Mini site and on YouTube so people can get it and see the uh, not only the video but the audio. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, we'll tag everything and let Ray know. Uh, Leo, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We really <laughs> appreciate this. This is amazing for you to be on here. Uh, thank you, guys. Once again, thank you guys for having me. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it like I said, we're part of the same community. I want to talk with you guys. I was really happy to to be able to come here and answer all of your questions rather than have to do it through Facebook or via like through email or text. I appreciate it. I appreciate this a lot more. And it's always a it makes me very happy that you guys want to know about the game and it makes me very happy to answer your question. So thank you for having me. Maybe, um, maybe we'll see when June rolls around and everything released, maybe we can have a, uh, release party and we can talk about yeah. everything and kind of get in. And this time you could have, you know, you could be off clock, maybe grab you uh, something to drink too, instead of just water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so guys, that's going to be it for today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check us out on Facebook or uh, Patreon or any of our other social medias. Make sure you go check out Parabello uh, and check out Conquest. Uh, their website is www.para-bellum.com. You can find all their information, all the rules, uh, models. You can find everything that's coming out, uh, the factions, and everything that's going to be happening with them. Uh, check them out on Facebook. Uh, say hi to them if you see them anywhere. So wave at them, you know, give them a big pat on the back. It's very hard to get into the miniature game scene, and it is a, a challenge to make something really good, and we think this is going to be a really good game. Um, for other than that, for more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And I'm Leo from Parabellum. Thank you guys very much. Good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, indeed. And we got our dance music going on. If you can hear us, we expect that. We know you can. Yep. We talk over the We talk over the outros. <laughs> what? John, did you say something? No. Why not? Leo, did you say something? Okay, so, 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 so I'm going to start giving out all the spoilers. No, just kidding. Oh, now the spoilers are now? Oh, well, hold on. <laughs> spoilers are now. <laughs>